Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blended. Last month, I was joined by an amazing panel to talk all about a really tough issue, Asian discrimination. For many of us outside of the Asian community, it's not something we knew a whole lot about. But when the pandemic hit, the world saw an eruption of hate and anger towards the Asian community that was shocking to witness and which really has taken its toll on communities worldwide. During the show, the panel discussed exactly why Asian discrimination happens, how the pandemic led to a surge of violence, and the many and varied impacts on Asian communities. The group also shared their personal experiences, and we talked about how we can start to tackle this kind of hate in our workplaces, schools, and communities. It was a difficult and emotional episode, but we all know that hate thrives in the shadows. And it's so important to shine a light on issues like this, to give voices to the impacted communities and show others how they can be advocates for change. I hope you found the show interesting. And remember that if you missed that episode, you can go and check it out over on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Under Listen, you'll find Blended. And it was episode 283 under Let's Talk Supply Chain or wherever you subscribe to the show, either under Let's Talk Supply Chain or under Blended. So welcome back to Blended. I'm joined by another fantastic panel of guests, and today we're talking about gaslighting. Now, this is a term that we're hearing more and more, but I'm not sure it's something that everybody fully understands just yet. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions around exactly what it means and how it works, but ultimately the impact on a victim's mental health and the people around them is huge. And so it's an issue that you've been asking us to dive into on Blended, and so so here we are today. So welcome to Jen and Jolene, who are going to share their thoughts on all of this with us today. I'm, I appreciate you ladies for joining me today. Hello, hello, and thank you for having us. Very happy to be here. Awesome. Well, let's get started by getting to know you. So tell me who you are, what you do, and how you identify. So Jen, I'm going to start with you. Thank you. I My name is Jen Janad. I am host of a podcast called Shit You Don't Want to Talk About, which is there to talk about all these topics like gaslighting to turn it into shit to talk about. So that way we are aware of it. We don't have the shame around it. I also have a live stream show called Teach Gen Tech, and you can find that one on Twitter. And that is where I am learning to code live with peer programming, which is very exciting and extremely scary all at once. I come from a background of trauma and emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. Um, Part of that is gaslighting. I've also been, my career itself has been in sales and customer support and experience, marketing, learning services, and currently working towards developer relations. And last but not least, I am a Caucasian lady and I identify as she, her in Denver, Colorado. Awesome. Well, I'm super happy for you to be here. I mean, at the end of the day, these are tough topics, but they're definitely ones that we need to talk about. And I know you talk about mental health all the time. And, you know, some people I'll get the question like, 
why are you doing this topic under diversity and inclusion? I'm like, well, there's bias around this topic. I mean, that's what diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion is about. It's a, there's bias. And so that's what makes these topics really top of mind, not only for mental health, but also for DEI in the workplace and DEI in general and things like that. So thanks for sharing. Super excited for you to be here. And now Jolene, tell us who you are, what you do and how you identify. Sure. Nice to meet everyone. Hope you're having a good day. I'm Jolene Pichotto. I uh, am VP of Marketing at my current company in Supply Chain, which is how I know Sarah. Um, I have been in marketing and PR for about 20-something years. Um, I I really love it. It's a a fun job that never has the same day twice. Um, Personally, I just moved to New Hampshire from Massachusetts, um, which has been a fun experience this summer. I have a husband uh, and a cat. I have two sisters. I'm a triplet, um, which is a fun fact about me. Um, Grew up uh, with a single mom who, you know, really worked hard, pushed a lot all her life. Um, Really take a lot of uh, inspiration from her. Um, Also had some similar experiences growing up with um, you know, abuse and things like that. So topics like this are very close to my heart. Uh, diversity and inclusion topics are as well. I got um, pretty passionate about it in my last two jobs. So um, I'm happy to be here today and talk a little bit more about this with you. And I also identify as Caucasian, a female identifying as she, her. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited for you to be here. You and I have known each other for a few years now, and it's always a good time. Um, But yeah, we're going to get into some of those topics and being a triplet. I mean, I'm sure there's some experiences from that as well. And I, I can't, I can't wait to hear. So let's just get started with the basics. What do you guys think that gaslighting actually means? So I haven't looked up the definition of the word. I don't know if you guys have. But what does gaslighting mean to you, uh, Jen? I I did Google it because I was like, I'm curious, <laughs> how far off is right. my explanation to that explanation? Mm-hmm. So the Googles says mani- manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Okay. And the example I give is, let's say Jolene and I are talking and I asked Jolene, Hey, Jolene, what color is the sky? Green. No, dude, it's blue. (laughs) And then, exactly. And then Sarah comes and asks me, what color is the sky? And I say, it's green. Jolene, why are you saying that it's blue? It's clearly green. Where basically I'm making Jolene question it. And I'm taking credit for what Jolene said. And when that repeatedly happens, even in small doses, it causes an individual to start doubting themselves in their own reality because somebody that they're supposed to be trusting, that's very close to them, that has repeated access to them, is manipulating them to not believe their own truth. Yes, that is so well put. And I think also, too... In relation to, um, you know, when people are, are, it's relation to narcissists, right? Like, I think gaslighting is very synonymous with narcissists. And I think, I so I will probably get into this a little bit more in the discussion, but there's a really close uh, relationship to uh, both of those words. And manipulation really brings that together because that's really what it is. Jolene, what do you think? 
Uh, yeah, really well put. I totally agree with, with how you articulated that. Um, for me, uh, I also did Google it just to see how it was defined based on how I view it. Um, and for me, I always find it more synonymous with workplace than I do actually personal. Mm. Um, I don't know where that came from so much that um, I just think it's the dynamic oftentimes between gender, truthfully, um, male, female dynamic when, you know, there's a male superior and a female um, who may report to that person. To me, that's where I think a lot of that can come from. Um, and, you know, making that person feel like they, you know, they are going to doubt themselves if, if you're telling them, no, that didn't happen or you blew it out of proportion or what are you saying? You're so good. I really like you, but you made a big, big, big mistake in saying what you said. Um, you know, it gets you really thinking that mental game and then you just lack the confidence and you start to question your ability and your sanity at some point. Yeah. I kind of correlate it to like a washing machine. Like when you have a conversation with somebody who's like gaslighting you, it's like the washing machine effect where you're like, your head is like all over the yeah. place because there's mm-hmm. all this doubt because they're mm-hmm. planting this doubt and you're having a hard time so, and you're going back and forth between the doubt and no, wait a second, I know what I'm talking about and then the doubt. And so it's like the washing machine effect. And so after you have a conversation where you've been gaslit, you come out of there and you're just like, I don't even know which one, which end is up. Yeah. Or you start to doubt like what you were actually what they're thinking you said that you didn't say or vice versa. And you're like, well, did I, did I not say that? Or mm-hmm. maybe I had it wrong in my head. Yep. And it's like a re- revisionist memory or something when it's actually just their manipulation. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you guys brought up the fact that you Googled it to see if it was your version of gaslighting, because I think there's a, there is a bit of a difference, right? There's the Google definition and then there's what we, what we think it is. And I think you guys did a really great job of blending them together. I think one of the things that I want to sort of mention right now is that if you're, you know, in your mid forties and just realize realizing that you've been gaslit by your family members for a lot of your lifetime, or you realized it early on, everybody has a different journey. And so, you know, we don't want anybody in the audience sort of listening to this, sort of criticizing themselves on their journey. And when they sort of figured out, even if they're figuring out through this conversation today that, whoa, wait a second, that's what's happening to me. Once you are aware of it, then you can deal with it. And it's something that I've been dealing with as well in my 40s, just understanding and realizing that I've been gaslit my whole life, um, you know, by certain people as well. So just wanted to throw that out there. But let's dive a little bit deeper. So where and when can gaslighting happen? Jen? Anywhere. <laughs> I I agree. I think one of the biggest biggest ways that we have seen gaslighting as a society is downplaying the BIPOC community of Mm -hmm. saying that basically history has been whitewashed is the easiest way of saying it with Juneteenth just barely becoming a holiday last year. And with uh, there's been conversations I've had with family members that have been like, why is Juneteenth even a thing? And Mm -hmm. it's so such a big thing because you have uh, white individuals, Caucasian individuals that are telling our BIPOC communities that what they're saying, 
the wrongs that they have been through, the abuse that they have been through, the segregation that they have been through is all made up. Right. And something that really comes to mind right now is the fact that empathy and gaslighting are like the opposite of each other Mm -hmm. because it may not be something we understand. Like we may not have gone through it, but telling someone that it didn't happen is gaslighting. Having empathy is going, oh shit, that did happen. How, like, how can I help support you? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And you know what though? (laughs) I'm going to throw a wrench in here though, because I think narcissists who gaslight people on some levels think they're being empathetic. Yeah. Because they believe themselves. Because and they and they blame everybody else around them. They don't actually take responsibility for themselves. So it's interesting because individuals like us can take a look at it and be like, gaslighting and empathy are two different things. Where a narcissist will not even realize the difference between the two and think they're being empathetic because they're not the ones at fault ever. Right. I've been doing a lot of research on. Narcissism, as you could probably tell. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Mm-hmm. But that's just sort of my um, my understanding of that that role and really where you are as far as awareness mm-hmm. as an individual, right? Because I think, yes, you're completely right. We need to have empathy. I mean, you can't be telling something that something didn't happen to them. It's not your experience. You have no idea what did or didn't happen. You know, having empathy to say, yes, we're here to support you um, is super important. But I think awareness is sort of somewhere in between, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think also another way uh, it shows up a lot, and I hate to say it because I I truly, I don't want to, you know, play the, the female card so much, but it happens with between men and women so much, especially, um, you know, in the workplace, I feel like there would not be a gaslighting situation between two white men. I just don't. I, I think the more often you're going to see it will be um, either a white man and, uh, you know, non-white man or any, you know, gender, um, female and male, always, more often than not. I speak from my own experience for sure that in my case, I, I, I truly don't think it would have happened in my particular instance if I were a man. And I'm not one to say that I, you know, don't want to hide behind a, a label or anything like that, but it's just, it's true. I, I feel like that's not going to go away unless we keep talking about it. Well, and just those comments there means that we've been gaslit by that, right? Because you're saying, I don't want to play the woman card. Why are you saying that? Because you've been gaslit about it previously. So we shouldn't have to say that, right? We shouldn't have to, um, you know, say something like, I hate to use the woman card or I hate to bring this to light. No, this is our experience. This Mm -hmm. is why we're having this conversation. Because as somebody who supports you, Jolene, I can say to you, you don't need to say that. Your experience is your experience. And I'm supporting you by just listening. But I also want you to be aware that what you just said is from previous gaslighting experience as well. And you don't say it. Oh, absolutely. And if I, and if I heard 
someone else says you awkward dad, I would say the same thing. <laughs> it's so much easier to see it when somebody else does it than in your own self. It's true. And that's that's kind of what I was also talking about in awareness too, is by having these conversations, listening to each other and empathetically being able to say, Jolene, like you don't have to say that because I believe you anyways. Right. You know, there's power right. in that, right? Mm-hmm. Did you want to jump in, Jen? I see you sort of. Um, it's 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 contemplating in in the fact that when I think, and it's to a previous point because I agree with everything you just said. It's when for narcissism, it's almost uh, because you you mentioned of how it's when um, not all narcissists realize that they're being their delusion of empathy. Mm-hmm. And first, I agree with that. <laughs> what I'm I'm struggling on is the fact that it can be where they are purposely turning on the empathy. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is more of a, an act than yeah. sincere empathy. And then with that empathy comes the gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And I just, really like it was sticking with me because I'm like, it's both not uh, necessarily one or the other. And that's the very true of it, is yeah. there are people that turn it on and off. And then there are people that aren't aware. And also um, to your point, Jolene, of my experience with, with gaslighting is a bit different because uh, yes, it's happened at work, and it's actually happened a lot more to me from females than from mm. males. And uh, in one particular instance, it was because my dad was the main person, but he ended up teaching my mom those behaviors. So that is one. And that one, I'm like, okay, cool. It still started with the dude. Yet at work, at many of the companies I worked for, it was mainly females that were doing it to women that were not at the same level as them in the, you know, corporate ladder that Mm -hmm. were doing this and also using women below them as pawns to get higher in the Mm -hmm. corporate ladder. That's so interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up. Can you share, um, because I think now would be a really good point um, to share some sort of examples of what gaslighting actually is, right? Because we're getting deep into a conversation between empathy and gaslighting and, you know, whether whether people are um, actually mean it or don't mean it and that kind of thing. But I think at this point, it would be really good to just sort of throw some examples that or lived examples that we've we've gone through and, and examples of even the words that are used. Because like like you said with narcissists, I mean, they could gaslight you with a smile on their face. And so I think it's really important that we sort of talk about what that could look like, what the words that they're using, because even if they have a smile on their face, doesn't mean it's okay. You know, Jolene, do you want to start with an example? Yeah. I mean, I think a prime example um, from my own experience was um, one being told, you know, you blew it out of proportion. I don't know why you had to report that. Um, I was just trying to help you. Um, you know, I, I think so highly of you. I don't know why you would think anything else. You're so great at what you do. And I reply with, I thought you were going to fire me. 
to him, no, why would I do that? You're so great at what you do, repeating the same things over and over again, and then going back to, but you made a mountain out of a molehill. You could have just come to me. No. <laughs> Those, and then you start thinking like, crap, did I, yeah. did I make this bigger than it was or, or no? And then you have to step back and think, no, I'm standing behind my own personal values and not standing for this behavior mm-hmm. and putting a stop to it, um, regardless of the outcome. And that's, I think, the difference between just letting it go or feeling like maybe you were wrong when you actually weren't because they're throwing it in your head um, and just drawing that line that you're not going to stand for that. So I've got two questions for you. One is, how did you deal with it? And two is, what would have been the right response from them? The non-gaslighting response. Uh, the first would be an actual apology that they were wrong, which I never got. It was more the, I'm sorry you felt that way. Oh. Or, yes, which you want to punch the phone at that point. <laughs> I'm sorry you felt that way versus I'm sorry I made you feel that way or what I did, um, you know, caused such harm when, you know, it, you know, basically between when it happened and when I, I, I had, I reported it at, at my company and it, it took a while to come to the actual conversation with him uh, a couple of months, but, um, the way it should have been handled was, you know, no tolerance, zero tolerance policy for that behavior. And it should have just ended it there. And that's where it didn't happen. And that's where that needs to change at, mm-hmm. at, at, you know, at companies generally, if you have a policy that you, you state, you don't stand for this behavior and then you let it go, especially for months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it just says the opposite and you just, totally lost the trust of that person or, or the, if others, you know, knew that were the case, what's to say that any policy is actually something they stand behind or any ethics um, mm-hmm. or, or values of a company. Yeah. And anybody listening to this did not see Jen and Mai's face when Jolene was like, you, like when she said the word you, uh, Jen and I both just like erupted <laughs> on our screens because we were like, that's it. And I want to, I want to sort of give this a moment <laughs> because I think it really deserves a moment. When you're saying you did this, you made me feel like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, yeah. you, instead of taking responsibility and saying, I, 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 that's right. gaslighting. Like that's right. a really big moment. That's one word in a sentence that makes the difference between gaslighting and non gaslighting and how right. you're making that other person feel and how you're expressing yourself through empathy or not through empathy, right? And taking responsibility. I think I think the biggest point here too is that gaslighting is not taking responsibility and putting it on the other person. And right. not gaslighting is taking responsibility and owning up to it. Jen. I Jolene, you said, and this is uh, specifically when I went like bananas, is the term, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm-hmm. As working in customer service for a long time. And that can be a defense mechanism 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually came up in my relationship where I had to talk about the difference between I'm sorry you feel that way to I'm sorry I made you feel like that because right. a lot of people may say that it's semantics and yet yes it could they, they sound very similar yet the way the what the words mean are completely different and I love that you brought that up because that hit home so much because when I was able to fully finally be able to explain the difference it changed how my entire relationship because I no longer felt like I was being gaslit that was never his intention mm-hmm. he never was like you know wanting to manipulate me it was a phrase he was taught and never taught the difference right and I love that you brought that up because that phrase anybody says it around me I get livid yeah, well, it's true. I mean, and and that statement, it's not taking ownership. It's very passive aggressive. And it's, again, putting that blame back on you when you did nothing wrong. Yeah, well, and let's give this another moment because, Jen, you brought up a really good point is that not everybody knows that they're gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it depends how you grew up. It depends what you were taught. It depends... Your, on your own personal growth, mm-hmm. right? And what you've done personally to mm-hmm. um, work on yourself, better yourself, things like that. And so when we talk about ga- gaslighting, I also want to mention through that is that it's not necessarily the intention. It just means that you might have to have a conversation around it. And through that conversation, you'll realize whether it was intentional or not intentional. Right. <laughs> Right. And but not everybody is doing it intentionally. So I just wanted to give that a moment too, because that's that's also the case. Jen, do you have some examples you want to share? Yeah. And I I love that we're bringing up this conversation. And Jolene, I absolutely am loving that you're taking like the work side of it because I'm like, I get that. But something I really want to call out is at least for me, even to this day. And I know what gaslighting is. I can see it when it's happening to other people. And it can still, to this day, happen to me. Mm -hmm. And it's not a... Uh, the way I experience it, if it's with a stranger or someone, you know, I'm, I need to have like a, you know, an acquaintance I need to have a relationship with. It is something that I get a feeling but I can't necessarily put words to it mm. of what this experience shows up as. So I do really want to call this out because as Jolene is ca- like talking about this work stuff, I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what happened at work. Yet I can never put words to it. So I was like, I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about work. I don't remember how it <laughs> happened. Um, where when it comes to my family, Like that happened for so long in so much of therapy. I can talk about it there a lot easier than I can talk about it at work. Mm -hmm. Um, For myself, it was my, there's two things that my dad always taught me. And I absolutely love that he taught me them because it's like, I think the only thing I got other than being alive from him, (laughs) because he is a narcissist. Um, of he told me, you know, it takes two people to put into the love box, which means like if you think about a box or a cup, like 
two people need to pour into it for it to be overflowing and feel fulfilled. If one person is always taking, then the other person will become depleted. Or if both are taking, then the box will be depleted. And the second thing is a triangle. And a triangle means, uh, for example, if I am not talking to Sarah and I go, yo, Jolene, you got to tell Sarah to stop yelling at me because I can't believe she keeps yelling at me. Therefore, Jolene goes to talk to you, Sarah. That's creating a triangle. Mm. Mention both of those because these are things my dad taught me when I was very, very young. And it was what he did the entire time and still tries to do to this day of when he would, uh, like, while we were doing things in life, he would tell, um, on my side, on his side of the family, they're mainly in Colorado. And at the time we lived in, in Phoenix and my dad would tell all of my family in Colorado that my mom and I hated them. And he would come home and say that my family wants nothing to do with me. I'm a horrible child and Hmm. that they're never going to want to see me. Come to find out when I turned 18, I got to meet everybody. And that was totally not true. Um, But that one is a bit more extreme. But it's interesting because that is making a triangle because he's talking on behalf of them. Mm Mm-hmm. As my um, parents separated and um, got divorced, my dad would do the same thing. Uh, I'm not sure why my mom kept them, but about a year ago, my mom has this box of like stuff from their divorce in my teenage years, and she hands it to me, and it's text tra- transcripts of conversations between me and my dad, which I guess they had to use in court. And it literally says things like... Well, uh, stop listening to your mother. She's putting words in your mouth. Or your mother and I already talked about this, so you need to go tell her this. Or why are you lying to me because she already said this? Mm. So again, it is playing that triangle. Mm -hmm. And in time, some bigger ways of gaslighting that he did were broken promises. This is something that main gaslighters and narcissists really do. And it's very, very difficult, as you said, Sarah, to break these two apart because gaslighting is one of the main features of a narcissist. Mm -hmm. And with gaslighting and narcissism, there is something called love bombing. So what that means is when you first meet this person or they want control of this, they are going to tell you everything you want to hear. So if I first meet Sarah and I'm like, Sarah, you're absolutely the coolest person in the world. We're going to hang out every day. I'm going to take you on a vacation next month. Like, you know, in a year, I'll get you a new car. We're going to get married and do that for like three months straight. It's going to cause somebody to be on cloud nine. Now, this is where gaslighting really shows up of Sarah does something Sarah normally does. And I go, Sarah, why is that hat in the in the background? You and I have talked about this. Why is that in your background again? I can't believe you did that. Seriously, we have had this conversation. Why are you doing this to me? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And these type of things are what my dad would do and would continuously try to do even at now that I'm 34 continues to happen of 
he will try to say, do very, very kind things, promise the world. And he's broken every single promise. Like when I moved in with him, um, it was far away from the kids I grew up with. And he's like, all right, well, I'll get you a car and we'll get your driver's license. Never happened. My mom had to fly back and get it for me. Um, I also needed a medical procedure. Uh, my left breast never developed. And for prom, all I wanted to do was be able to have even boobs to wear a strapless dress. Like that is all I wanted in the world. Mm -hmm. And my dad's like, don't worry, you move in with me. I'll get it for you. Didn't happen. And then he's like, oh, you need, this is the time where I finally realized was my dad always promised that if I moved in with him after I graduated high school, that he would pay for all my bills so I could go to school. At the age of 25, I did that. I moved in with him. I almost had to file bankruptcy. All of my cards went into collections. Mm -hmm. My car almost got um, repoed. Is that what it's called? Repo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. it was at that time. And I, I share all of these things because in retrospect, I can point these out yep. during it. You and can. only in the last few years, I never could. It was always like, I just hate my dad. But now mm-hmm. I can say, this is why. And this I'm still why. struggling with that at certain parts of my career and mm-hmm. how to avoid that. But oddly, the majority of it for my my career has been women and it's and it's repeated over and over again that it's mainly women that do it instead of men. Mm. But it's like we attract it. Not not like we go to attract right. it, but there's something that we haven't dealt with in ourselves yes. that cause it to repeat from other people. I'm so glad you said that. And thank you so much for sharing those um those stories and those details because you know that's that's what we're here to talk about is really talk about real life because what's happened to you somebody else can resonate with. And when you said like it happens over and over and over again, I've had narcissists in my life forever. Like they come in, they go out, they come in, they go out. And I'm left like completely disheveled. And like I said, like I just come out of a dishwasher or washing machine (laughs) after I've had conversations with them because I'm just like, what is happening? Um, And I'm finally coming to realize why. And it's because one major one that I have to deal with at this moment. Um, But you know, it's also like your form of control was that they said they were going to do something and not do something. Mm-hmm. Another form of control is money. Mm-hmm. Right? They pay for things and then they expect information. They expect love. They expect yeah. everything that you're supposed to do for them because they've paid for something for you or they've given you money for something. So that's kind of the opposite of it, but that's also part of gaslighting and part of that control and things like that. So there's there's a multiple multitude of different ways that that it can happen. You know, I've always there's there's also things like, you know, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like that one is so triggering because you're the one with the problem, but you need to get over it. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like, how does that one make you feel? Because I've heard that way too many times. Uh, well, when you're talking about your father example, I'm nodding my head. Again, people can't see that. But, you know, growing up, I had a very narcissistic 
father who is not in my life now. Like I said, I, my mom raised us from basically, you know, four, three or four years old um, herself. And he'd come in and out here and there with the broken promises, similar thing as a, you know, funny, not funny, but example of that. Um, when I broke my arm in kindergarten, my dad swooped in and said, oh, when you get your cast off your arm, I'm going to take you for a banana split. He was never around long enough to do that. And to this day, I've never had a banana split. Why? Because he never gave me one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he broke the promises and he, he blamed us for being mad at him for being a terrible dad and treating my mom horribly. And mm -hmm. he never would take the ownership or apologize. All we wanted was him to take, acknowledge he had made a mistake and he was the problem. He would just say, you need to get over it. You need help. You need help is what he would say. And to this day, we'd say, you need therapy. You need to let things go. Oh, and it's, that it's, is a bad one. When they start one. saying that you Total need trigger. you need therapy, like talk about triggering. Like, who are mm -hmm. you? You're obviously projecting what you need on yeah. me. I mean, I can say that now. Yeah. But like in the moment, you're like, really? Like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. And do you not remember all that revisionist <laughs> memory too? It's a big one for me. They they forget how horrible they were. Mm -hmm. And they're yes. like, why? Why can't you just forgive and forget? I can forgive, but I will not forget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in in experience, like I love that you bring that up. Not that that happened to you, but mm -hmm. um something that I think is that personal to my life that I think showed me a totally different area that I never considered gaslighting. I mean, yes, gaslighting, but not with intent are addicts. Mm. Addicts, it's it sounds weird. And I just want to point this out really quick is that can show up as gaslighting and it definitely is gaslighting. And it's not always necessarily that they mean to do it as much as the addiction is taken over. Yeah. And for any anyone dealing with an addict that is a loved one or someone that you truly care about, please know that it's not you. And yeah. even when they do get help, it doesn't mean that it's going to last forever. Luckily, in my experience, um, my father-in-law has been clean for a year. It is still things that a year later, he can still do things that are a bit gaslighty. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll go with that. Yet, it's a night and day difference than when he showed up at our doorstep. And I want to call that out because there are so many little kids out there that I wish I could hug. And I'm like, I don't know, Jolene, if your dad was like this or anything, but I'm like, I want to go hug you and your siblings because like, dude, like it's, it's those broken promises that I don't think yeah. I don't have kids, but like children cling on to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and thank you for, for saying that. And I think it's important for us to think about the victims, right? Because it's, it's addiction recovery. And actually I'm doing an episode in December about, um, ad sorry, addiction. And then I'm doing a, an episode on addiction recovery in December. So we're going to be talking about a lot of this. And like I said um, to you guys earlier, some people are like, why is that a DEI topic? Well, because there's bias around it. There's gaslighting around it. Like there's everything to do with diversity and inclusion around that. Um, but also the victims of narcissism 
right? And it sounds like three of us have been victims of narcissistic abuse. And, you know, that's that's just as damaging. And so my next sort of question and what I want to talk about in sort of this next segment is, what does it do to somebody? Because I think, you know, once we're aware of what gaslighting actually is, examples of what it is, I think it's really important to talk about what people go through that have experienced gaslighting so that the people can maybe become aware and maybe be like, oh, wait a second, that's what that's doing to somebody? Okay, I need to take a step back and obviously work on myself, right? So so what does that look like? I mean, obviously, from a mental health standpoint, Jen, do you want to sort of kick us off here? Sure. <laughs> um, I say that in the fact that when we talk about examples of what it can do to someone, it's this is why I have a podcast called Shit You Don't Want to Talk About because this isn't something that is happy-go-lucky. It is, for myself, a very, very dark place. Um, I, With all of this self-doubt and questioning myself since I was a child, I went very inward and in my teenage years, um, had self-harm mm -hmm. and suicide attempts. Um, mm -hmm. And as an adult, I was in a very, very toxic relationship. And I went through a lot of shit as a kid. And something came up about a basketball player doing something. And it really triggered me. And the guy I was with told me to go deal with it by myself. And... It was the type of thing that that is still gaslighting of telling someone to just deal with it by yourself. That's not my problem. And it really showed up when within our relationship at one point, um, you, you mentioned earlier, Sarah, that uh, it's where they say you're the problem. Mm -hmm. um, this guy definitely said that. And I got pregnant. And he told me I was the problem. And I was like, dude, I'm on birth control. And I get, I we're not here for the debate of pro-choice, pro-life, anything like that. I do, I, I, they ask you when you go into the clinic, is this against your will? And it's so hard to say with, the type of abuse I went through and the struggle I was at in my life, I didn't think I would have a roof over my head if I said, yes, I'm doing this against my will. And again, at the same time, I wasn't doing it against my will because I did not want a child to grow up with that, with someone like that as their father. Mm -hmm. And that was such a hard thing to go through that these are the pieces of gaslighting and narcissism that I don't think people realize because they're like, oh, well, they're just a narcissist or they're just gaslighting. These are very, very deep-seated, deep-seated traumatic things that can happen as ongoing trauma instead of just like a one-time incident. Getting yeah. in a really bad car crash can cause PTSD and be very, very traumatic for someone. In a very different way, so can the domestic violence that is happening with gaslighting. Mm -hmm. And domestic violence does include, maybe not law, lawfully, lawfully, we're going to go with that, right. uh, for gaslighting. Because 
this is how why it is manipulated into so many people why they don't leave. I did that. Why did I terminate? Because I was afraid that if I said anything or I went anywhere, I wouldn't have a roof over my head. Why did I internalize as a teenager? Because I thought it was myself, my fault, Mm -hmm. because I was being told it was my fault over and over and over over again. Yeah. And that kept showing up in my entire, throughout my entire life. Like I was dating that guy like seven years ago. Yeah. And it takes so much time to learn and rewire these thought processes because it does still show up for me. There are still times like I, it was only two years ago where I was in a good romantic relationship. Like my partner is seriously like the the coolest human in the world. Yet my boss, she's bananas. Like she would go and I would tell a customer or a client, Hey, that's not something we can do. It's uh, unless you want to pay more. And she wouldn't, my boss would in turn tell the client we could do it, then make us work gobs amount of hours and not pay us and then blame us for not giving the solution. Right. And so even though I fixed it in one area, it took me a very long time to Mm -hmm. fix it in my work area. That is such an amazing point. And one thing I'll say is that therapy is a journey, not a destination, right? Because like you said, you have to deal with it in a variety of different forms and it comes up in a variety of different forms and it hits you out of nowhere. Um, The other one is that, you know, the example that you shared, that is what happens, when you treat somebody like this, and those are the thoughts. And I think part of that and what you mentioned is self-harm. And self-harm shows up in a variety of different ways. It shows up in your thoughts mm-hmm. about yourself, which then causes anxiety or panic attacks. It shows up in, like, it's not necessarily cutting. I mean, you could um, you could bite the sides of your nails. That's self-harm. You know, you could, pick, you could pick at, at your lip and create you know, source. That's self-harm. It doesn't have to be so extreme that it's, you know, cutting or or all of the self-harm things that you, you know, hear about more. It could be little things like that. Or I say little, they're not really little. They're really just um, an opportunity really for you to reflect and be like, oh, wait a second. I really am self-harming myself what are the reasons behind that? What do I need to change? And so then you go on that journey of sort of self-reflection and, and you know, trying to better yourself, which is really all you can do for yourself. You can't do it for somebody else. And you can't make them do it for themselves. But really, at the end of the day, you know, that's, that's the work that you have to do for yourself. Um, real quick, I just want to add in two, uh, two other three other ways that self-harm shows up. It can be um, alcohol abuse and trying to like uh, basically partying over partying to try to Mm -hmm. hide what is going on and also overeating and other eating disorders like Mm -hmm. bulimia and anorexia. Those Mm -hmm. are like self-harm, as you said, shows up in so many different ways Mm -hmm. that uh, it's, it's also other behaviors that, can show up that we may not even realize. Yeah. And it's the results of somebody just saying you're the problem. Can you imagine? Like, give that a moment. 
right? You're putting your responsibility on somebody else and you're not taking responsibility for the part that you've played or what you've done. And look at the different things that it could go into for that person. I mean, that that is something that we need to take responsibility for. And that's why we're having this discussion today. Jolene? Well, and to add to that, I mean, and, and if you rattle all those off of side effects to um, gaslighting to that person, then it can cause all these other mental health issues and trauma and everything. They would deny it. <laughs> they would say, yep. no, it doesn't. You're wrong. Um, I think on the flip side, um, I guess a little bit on a lighter note, the other, the only, the only good thing or a good thing to, to you know, being in a situation where you're gaslit is if you can put an end to it and leave the situation, the environment, the the job, the relationship, whatever it is, and put a stop to it and don't let it keep happening. Once you see it, if you have that ability to walk away, walk away and awareness like this and making it clear all the types of gaslighting that's out there, will help the next person walk away. Yeah, absolutely. It's conversations like these. It's podcasts like Jen's podcast. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where we can have conversation and talk about the things that people don't want to talk about or share or whatever. It's real. It's not just like, you know, Mm -hmm. a headline in a newspaper. Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, Trump gaslighting again or whatever it might be. And just throwing it out there. Like it's, it's a serious issue and and we're not experts like Like none of us here are experts it's really just about coming together as individuals and sharing authentically in the hopes that you know we can help you know maybe even just one person Mm -hmm. um through through what they're going through i mean i know that this conversation is helping me in a variety of different ways and we're not even done yet so let's (laughs) go to um jolene's point about buzzwords and headlines Right. Because I I think that there's a general feeling, especially amongst health professionals, that the term gaslighting is becoming hugely overused, almost entering buzzword territory. And because of that, it's undermining true victims. So what do you guys think about that? Are we using it too much? Does it ring true with our experiences? And, you know, why? I mean, I know headlines like news headlines, you know, really only get grasped if they're about the bad side of things right you don't necessarily they don't necessarily always gravitate to the good side of things and so what do we do about this if if it's a buzzword or how do we how do we you know how do we help the victims you know well i mean on one side the fact that it is talked about so much more means there's more awareness about it yes it's being mischaracterized or you know a stereotype is created around it instead but if you quantify the fact that it is being talked about more than it ever was in a way, that's still a really good thing. Yes. I think it can be uh, thrown around a little bit. And like I said, like clickbait for someone to read an article or whatever, or something on Twitter, but um, I I see both sides of it personally. Mm -hmm. Jen. I would say that um, in in the the fact of using the term gaslighting and it, the the terminology itself and the headlines doesn't necessarily bother me it's 
the fact that overusing a word like that and um, when we sensationalize these type of uh, traumatic events that happen, we end up dissociating ourselves from it. And mm -hmm. it's not necessarily victim blaming, but it says they're a number, they're not someone I know. That would never happen to me. So then uh, as a society, in my opinion, we start shutting down. So mm -hmm. uh, to give it more of a, um, a real realistic way of saying it is a lot of people will say, that girl was raped, well, that would never happen to me. And ways of distancing themselves is, well, what was she wearing? Doesn't matter what she was wearing. Where was she? Doesn't matter where she was. Um, what was she drinking? Doesn't matter what she was drinking. It, it honestly doesn't matter. But those are ways that we disassociate to That's be true. able to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that being said, I feel like the when we overuse these terminologies, it does the same type of thing. Like I I hear about Trump gaslighting, and you know, a I probably won't click on it because I just find him annoying. But um, it's where I go. Oh, okay, that just happens all the time now. That's just what everybody does, mm -hmm. and it normalizes it, which mental health. And getting through these needs to be normalized, but on a in a different way instead of headlines. Yeah, that's so true. Now, now you, Jen, earlier talked about how you can pinpoint gaslighting now, or maybe yeah. narcissists. <laughs> like you can, like you can, like pull them out of the air and be like, "Wait a second, you know, you're gaslighting that person, or you're gaslighting me, or you're a narcissist." Can you talk us through what that? looks like like how do you do that like you know if if i'm somebody that's watching an interaction what does that look like and what am i supposed to do to help that person i i do want to point out that even when it happens to this day sometimes i don't realize it when it's happening to me of course because yeah, no, it's I like that. i pick up a feeling yeah. but the, what i've learned is that feeling is me picking up inconsistencies and that is a big part of how gaslighting shows up. So if I suddenly am saying that the sky is green, and then the next day you tell me I say that the sky is blue, and then the next day I'm saying that the sky is green, and it can, but I'm telling it to different people, and I'm changing the story I have with through to everyone, that is a way of gaslighting. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's those small inconsistencies that we start to pick up. Mm -hmm. It is, um, uh, for example, I have friends that have fortunately gotten out of some really, really bad relationships. And something she would tell me is he would say, stop going to therapy because it's not doing anything for you. That is not his call. You know, my friend needs to do what she needs to do. Um, it's things like that that come up. It's uh, even like uh, I have a lot of physical health issues that I work through. And there are days that I struggle getting out of bed. Like I will sleep all day some days. 
And I've been in relationships where they've been like, you can't do anything. Like what I just have to handle everything. Yes. They never said like directed it at me, but they guilted me and directed it back at them. That is another way of uh, gaslighting because they are making you doubt what you're doing instead of like, yes, there's days that even my current partners do like WTF, what did you do all day? Um, But that happens because, you know, that's normal. But when they're consistently doing it, um, it's for myself, it's a lot of reflection Mm -hmm. of how do I feel when I'm around someone? Yeah. And that's the best way that I have found to really uh, put more concretely if that's someone I want in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I start getting a weird feeling around them every single time, I hang out with them three times in a row, then I might go, uh, maybe we should start tracking this. And by mm-hmm. tracking, I just write it down. Like last time I hung out with X person, I walked away feeling really bad about myself Mm. and, or I got a text from this person and they said how cool I am in the text message and was building me up on social media. Yet when I hung out with them, they just kept comparing everything they did and said that I did and said that they did it better. Um, It's those type of things that we may not realize, but I'm mean, keeping a track record helps mm-hmm. identify those habits because it's not always something that we can pick up with just one shot. And I think that's such a great point. I think the other one is just your sort of gut and intuition and your anxiety levels. When you receive a text message from somebody who's been gaslighting you, you feel it in your whole body. And then you feel it in your whole body for hours until you decide to answer back or not answer back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or you feel it, you've been invited and to say yes is really hard and you're scared or you feel like you're doing it out of obligation. This is the other thing is that when you are dealing with somebody who's gaslighting you, um, and this is what I've been sort of working on. Are you doing it? Are you saying yes or doing it out of obligation? Are you doing it and saying yes out of guilt? Or are you doing it and saying yes because you want to? Boundaries. They try to squish your boundaries and push past your boundaries. Yeah. So really, I think it's your body. Like your body too will tell you fight or flight, right? (laughs) Whether you want to move towards that person or you absolutely don't. Just even just through a text message, just through having to say yes or no to something, thinking about um, even if you're thinking about um, what you're going to say say to them, like if you want to express how you're feeling about something or, you know, that your whole body will tell you whether, you know, you're nervous about that. Well, why are you nervous about that? Why do you have anxiety around this? And it's be it could be because of past um, instances where you've tried to do it in the past and you could have been gaslit as well. So your body really, you know, is a good indicator as well mm-hmm. as to how you feel about that person and whether you want to do something or you're doing it for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Jolene? Yeah. What about no, at work? Like if somebody, yeah. cause you, cause you experienced it at work or whatever. Right. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's done in like email, but sometimes it's done in front of other people. Like if you're seeing it happening at work, 
What are you looking for? And then what do you do about it? If it's not happening to you, obviously, if you're seeing it happen to somebody else. Right. No, I I think now I'm totally hyper aware to it. Um, And I, if I ever see it, which I I don't now, but if I ever would see it then, um, I would, I would call it out to the person that I think was on the receiving end. They're likely on my team or someone I work with. Um, uh, and would acknowledge it and, and see how they feel. And if they're, if they're sensing what I sensed was happening in that meeting or that room or whatever, um, and it's not just me kind of, I don't know, deflecting or um, uh, I'm thinking of the word that I, I'm blanking on it, but um, projecting on, on them what I, I'm seeing because I've felt it um, and making sure that, the, you know, they're seeing it too. Um, I also think that when you bring up the text example, it's, um, it's bullying. It's that feeling of like you're bullied into something and you, you feel like you have to, like you said, why am I saying yes to something? And it's, you're doubting your own decision-making because of what they're trying to get you to do. Can I ask you a quick question, Jolene? Because I feel like mm-hmm. you would know how to handle this. And I wish I did while it was happening. And it has to do with work of the boundaries part, that's what popped into my head when uh, Sarah was talking about that, was I had a boss that would text. None of the employees could have time away from work at all times and at horrible pay. We were basically always on call and she would text us and want replies and badger us if we didn't reply or say like the meanest things ever. And I found myself just complying because I didn't want to deal with it. And uh, it's the same boss that would like lie to the client of things. Mm -hmm. And I honestly like it, she would scream if I replied to her text or she would scream and tell me I didn't reply to her text fast enough. Or if I wanted to go do something for the weekend, like if I didn't have service, she'll scream it. She would have screamed at me. Like, how do you deal with that? Um, it, that did happen to me too, actually. And it was the, um, the texting on the weekend or after hours or evening. Or, and usually it was not, it was not urgent to me. If you text an employee or somebody you work with after hours, it is urgent need to talk to you now. Sure. They should just call you if that's the case, but if they are going to text you first, whatever, but it became a text over the littlest things, the things that could wait till Monday or until the morning, or I get a text at 9am about something we should do next week and if i would get that anxiety of that i respond to that right now it's like the last thing i want to think about right now i I just want my weekend i don't want to think about work and eventually when i caught on and figured out that it was usually not urgent i either a would not even open the text so when i was actually on working hours i would remember to open it because it was still unread I opened it I would forget or two if it were not urgent I started to me okay so to me responding to a text with like a a thumbs up or like a reaction to an actual question or something feels passive aggressive but I started doing that to some of his that were like let's do this next week or look at this interesting tweet we should tweet something like that next week totally not urgent on a Saturday at 9 a.m. I would thumbs up (laughs) and 
for me, it was my way of, okay, I acknowledge that he texted me, but I'm not engaging and I'm going to leave it aside until Monday. It, it eventually worked, but it became an issue because the texting would happen to other people on the team. And um, it eventually did stop because we raised the issue, but, um, but that's a real issue. It's a boundary thing. It's a pushy, bullying, you know, got to do it now attitude that's just not appropriate. Yeah, I, I think I think company, and that was a really good question. Sorry for my dogs barking. Mm. Um, I think that's that was a really great question. And I think it also comes down to leadership. It comes down to the organization. And there's it should really be in the code of conduct. Yep. So for me as an entrepreneur, right, I work on the weekends. <laughs> Go figure. Um, I work on the weekends. And so sometimes I am sending messages to people um, to get something out there, but I'm not expecting an answer back. And right. so I'm very clear from the get-go. If I send you something on a Sunday, ignore it. Just ignore it because I forgot to schedule send or like something like that. I'm like, just ignore it. I know you're going to get back to me Monday, Tuesday, whatever. But it's clear in the communication. And I think yeah. that's what really needs to happen in these particular cases is that A, the leader needs to take ownership and B, the organization needs to include it in their code of conduct so that you don't run into situations where you know, the employees are overworked because they feel like they have to answer at every single whim. Yeah. And so, it should be kept for urgent, again, like that mode of communication in, in a non-entrepreneurial you know, environment, in an office environment where it should, you do have office hours, it should wait, or um, it should be caveated, like you said, with uh, just sharing this for tomorrow, don't feel like you have to respond, not yeah. just something that would be otherwise taken yeah. So one question, um, one last question that I have for you, I mean, I'm, we're going to do a takeaway question, but um, just around support, like if you're a spouse or if you're a mom or if you're a sister and, you know, somebody in your life is going through this, they're being gaslit, they're talking, they're trying to talk to you about it. It's very difficult to talk about because, you know, if you're a victim of gaslighting, you feel like you're not going to be believed by everybody or anybody, right? Um, it's very difficult for them to talk about as a support system for somebody who's going through that. What is your advice to them on how to best support the person going through it? Jen? Uh, because detaching gaslighting from narcissism is not always there, I'm going to use this example of narcissists can a lot of times isolate someone yeah meaning that they will tell the individual that everyone else is absolutely horrible for them and so your friend your sister your daughter your you know your best friend this individual may go away for a while keep showing up keep yeah. texting them every once in a while and that time that hopefully will show up sooner rather than later, that they show up on your doorstep and need a roof over their head or they got in a really big fight and they need somewhere to go, be that person. Because without those humans being there for me, I never would have gotten out of my toxic relationships. Without my partner going, uh, showing up for me, I it was at a 
it was at a production studio that this all happened, the latest one with work. And my friends would still show up and actually help me with the work and got hired there as well. Wow. And they're really a lot better at boundaries than I am at that point. And because I saw how they were being treated, it made me realize how I was being treated. Right. And they never they never made me feel bad for not realizing it. Mm-hmm. Like the I would say the best thing you can do is leave out the words I told you so. Yeah. Yeah. Belief acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. I think those are two really big key words that somebody who's a victim of gaslighting really needs from their support system is just somebody believing them, you know, and acknowledging what they've been through. Yeah. Right. No, it's I very totally hard. agree. Go ahead. I mean, everything you just said, you know, you got to give that support and just listen and be there for them. Um, and I, I know I obviously keep going back to the workplace example, but I think for me, the advice I would give somebody if they're being gaslit is to try to remove yourself from that one-to-one interaction with that person. For me, it was, you know, talking to my direct superior and telling her what happened. And she was completely supportive, of course. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I, I won't talk to him. I will interact with him when I have to in meetings, but I won't put myself into a one-on-one situation again. I won't text or respond to text. And that was, I just had to cut it. If I didn't cut it, there was just no way I, I could continue on in that situation. Um, so I think if you can, it's, it's more extreme. It's harder to do. And like you said, sometimes they come back or whatever. Um, but if you can do that, because it's truly the only way to, to stop this cycle. Mm-hmm. So what's one piece of advice if I'm listening to this episode or one piece of advice, one key takeaway, maybe something to take an action on, um, what would you like to leave the audience sort of thinking about? Jen? For the people that you're getting anxiety from or the heebie-jeebies from or anxious around or not wanting to respond to their text, ask yourself why and how how often does that happen? Yeah, that's a great one. Thank you. Jolene? I would say trust yourself, speak up, and and leave the situation when you can, because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about my own situation that respected it, admired it, applauded it, and said, if now if it happened to them, they know that they would do the same thing. And if you can do that for one person, you've already made a difference. Yeah. And I would say no judgment. I would say it's not an easy path. It's not an easy road to go down, Mm -hmm. especially if you're isolated and alone. And, you know, you're going to have days where everything's going to trigger you. And then you're going to have days where you're like, screw that. I have boundaries, you know, and I'm just going to make it happen. And then there's going to be days in between and to allow yourself the grace to be able to go through all of that. 
I think would be my takeaway. So thank you so much to Jen and Jolene for joining me today. This has been an interesting one. I think there are a lot of misconceptions around gaslighting, most of which social media is responsible for, but it's such a big issue that really impacts victims' lives. And just like any form of abuse or bullying, it deserves to be better understood so we can tackle it. And I want to thank you all for being so open and vulnerable. I know it's not easy to talk about all the topics that we spoke about today publicly. So it really makes a huge difference, you know, for victims to know that they're not alone, for communities to know how to spot the signs and offer help, and for perpetrators to know that this won't be tolerated. The more in the know we all are, the more we can help put a stop to this kind of abuse before it gets started. Don't forget that you can reach out to me or any of the guests on social media if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to add about what we've talked about today. And uh, remember to join us again next time for episode 25 of Blended when we'll be debating acceptance versus inclusion. What do these words mean? What impact do they have? And are our DEI conversations moving fast enough to keep up? It's going to be thought-provoking, so make sure you don't miss it, and I'll see you then. Thank you, Jen and Jolene for showing up and for sharing authentically and for being you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.